Welcome to the Vegan Family Kitchen podcast. I am thrilled today to have a visitor coming from very far away, all the way from Southern Australia. This is Leah Cooper. Hi, Leah. Hi, Brigitte. How are you? I'm doing great, even better since you are here. You are a yoga teacher, a whole food cook, and health and well-being enthusiast. You started your business that is called the Center of Key. Uh, written K-I. You can see it on, on the video here in 2013, where you have been teaching weekly yoga classes, as well as hosting yoga retreats and leading seasonal cooking workshops. All of that in the Barossa Valley of South Australia for 10 years. This is fantastic. You can catch up with her and learn more on her YouTube channel, where she enables um, others to share her, uh, to participate in her passions for health and well-being. And uh, in 2021, she's also started a podcast called The Wellbeing Room. And uh, you can, uh, you've probably already listened to the episodes uh, where uh, Leah and I had some great conversations about food out there. So it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being with me today. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have our conversation today and see what comes out. Yeah. So let's start by talking a little bit about what you do. And I have so much appreciation for the fact that you bring yoga and food together, because to me, it is obvious that those two things are closely intertwined, but I find maybe it's just here in my little corner of North America that often yoga is a standalone practice that doesn't seem to have that many connections at least in its commercial version, you know, mm. to, to food and things. So tell me a little bit about what you do in the center of key and how um, you bring those two aspects of life together. Yeah, no, it's a really great point that you bring up about the food and the yoga, because you're right. It is very in the, the mainstream yoga world. There isn't a lot of connection necessarily between food and yoga, at least in the Western society. Um, you know, yoga is traditionally founded on, you know, the Indian practices and Ayurvedic practices go hand in hand. Um, but the yoga that I teach is actually from a Japanese lineage, which is also based from the traditional Indian yoga, but has had a Japanese twist on it. So um, food, I was actually very surprised when I first started yoga 25 odd years ago, how much of a connection there was when my teachers talking about the food side of things. They were promoting things like macrobiotics, which is something that I've fallen into as well. Um, and it just made sense because, you know, if you're going to nourish your body, you want to do it on all levels, not just the physical of, you know, moving your body. You want to actually nourish it with the food that you're eating. So, um, so I've been teaching, like you said, yoga here in the Brossa Valley for, for 10 years now. Um, I've been teaching a bit longer than that, but when we first moved here 10 years ago, this is where I set up my, my school myself. And, um, you know, I don't talk a lot about food necessarily in my yoga classes. I think it's, it's a fine line. You know, I feel people sometimes are receptive to that, but then aren't receptive. It's, it's a fine line. You know, people are very set in their ways when it comes to eating. I've noticed that just in general, you know, people grew up a certain way, they ate a certain way, or they've discovered a new way of eating, or they're trying all these different fad diets that are out there. Um, and so it can be a very touchy subject for people. And, you know, my yoga teachers, they were just very forthright and outright about it. They just said, you know, this is, you know, the best way to eat. This is the way to healthy eating. This is the way to have a healthy body. Uh, and they didn't really, you know, it was just, that was just part of who they were. 
I'm not maybe as, I think as I'm getting older and more experienced, that's coming easier. Um, but in saying that, you know, on my yoga retreats that I host, I do you, I, the food is a very important part of that. And I do all the cooking on those retreats myself. Um, you know, three meals a day, we have nourishing foods and I kind of base it on the foods, the macrobiotic principles, um, and along with the seasons and, um, yeah, so I find that people come and, and, you know, I do warn them, I guess you've got to warn people like, we're going to be having this food, you know, you're not going to be having coffee. There's no alcohol, you know, there's not, you know, cups of tea, endless cups of tea available. There's no snacks. It's kind of like just the three meals and we're just going to do the yoga and we're going to rest and, um, and, you know, they, they enjoy it. They enjoy getting this lovely bowl of food, you know, you know, brown rice and veggies and beans and tofu and things like that. And it's, it's really like that. Then we get miso soup in the morning and the food is really nourishing. Like they feel very nourished when they come on retreat. They may feel a bit constipated or they may have some other things that come up because they're not used to necessarily eating like that every day. Um, so the body needs time to adjust. Um, but the yoga does help with, you know, releasing things <laughs> so you know so it's a whole process it's a whole cleansing process on retreat so you know we get up early we actually I try to have my retreats down by the beach um you know so we go for a, a juggle on the beach in the morning and we jump in the water and and then we come back and do yoga and um and things like that and then we have breakfast so we don't actually eat until like two hours or so after we've gotten up so there's that sort of fasting element um you know um yeah, so that to me is what a retreat is about, and um, and I get I'm going to have a little rant because <laughs> I've been thinking Go about this it. a lot lately, you know. And I see all these ads for these you know yoga retreats around the place, you know, locally or within Australia, and it's like, you know. Your morning yoga and then you know breakfast and then we're going to go to a winery and have lunch at a winery or something or you know there's wine and it's like it just to me it's like that's not a retreat that's like an indulgence weekend you know like it's a spa weekend yeah, yeah it's like there's a difference you know and I think if you're going to practice yoga and you actually want to get the benefits of a yoga retreat then there isn't going to be alcohol there isn't going to be meat there isn't going to be cheese it's going to be really simple whole food, plant-based meals and time to relax. And it's not about stimulating yourself with these sorts of other things, which, and I, you know, I could rant a bit more, but I won't. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. And I get similar feelings sometimes when it comes to, to cooking, where there's such an insistence in, in the vegan cooking, blogging world and things on like creating a really fancy food for lack of a better word you know mm. food that has an explosion of flavors and yeah. everything you know and sometimes simpler is better and certainly mm. in many circumstances of life it just fits better with the yeah. energy that we have to prepare food and I mm. always feel like the downer saying those things and I kind of no, get that I same vibe from yeah. about the retreat you know well come to my retreat and we're going to be a little disciplined yeah <laughs> you know and like <laughs> Oh yeah, sounds great. <laughs> but yeah. actually that that is what feels good. Um mm. that, that is often what we need to be centered. We get plenty of stimulation mm. in daily yeah. life. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's about going inward. It's it's um it's a different journey. My the first retreat I went on with my yoga teachers, I think it was a 
I can't remember seven days or 10 days, but it was a, at least seven days. And I didn't realize when I signed up, it was a, it was called a half fasting retreat. Um, and so, you know, you get a tiny bowl, like a few tablespoons of miso soup in the morning, you know, and, you know, a spoon of brown rice or something. And like, it was just, it's just an amazing experience. Like, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So we're not getting much food, you know, but there was plenty to keep us act- like with yoga every day, three times a day. There was lots of exercise and movement and rest time. It was all balanced, you know, and I came back just completely different. It just changed my life. It really changed my life. And I think if we allow those things, then we can have really big breakthroughs, especially for our health and well-being. So, yeah. Often less is more. Mm, exactly. The end of the day. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, I was not planning on asking you this, but tell me about Japanese yoga. You've just told me about something I've never heard yeah. about. So I guess it's called Japanese yoga because, um, so my teacher, he studied with a few different teachers but one of his main teachers was Masahiro Oki and so Oki I think he was actually originally Korean born but lived in Japan I'm not too sure so Masahiro Oki Japanese um, brought in the five elements and the principles of yin and yang into this style of yoga Um, and my teacher also learned with other Japanese instructors like um, Masanaga who was a shiatsu teacher therapist as well as in shiatsu and um, so there's all these sort of Japanese elements that have come in and especially around the cooking and the food. So, you know, me, like I said, miso soup, you know, very Japanese, um, you know, on retreats, on all the retreats I went on with my teachers, you know, would always, always have miso soup for breakfast. And so that's something that I have in my daily life. Most days I'll, you know, have miso soup or a version of miso soup for breakfast, not every day, but you know, more, more often than not. And it's just very nourishing. It's that, that salty uh, umami way of waking up the digestive system in the morning. Um, yeah, and so as far as Japanese yoga goes, I, for me, my I, I like to call it ther- therapeutic yoga as well. There's a, a therapy element of, you know, we want to attain these beautiful asanas, you know, whatever it is, tree pose, triangle pose, headstand, handstand you know, whatever. Um, But the majority of people are actually pretty broken, especially in the Western world. Um, And I was just thinking about this this morning, you know, a lot of people around here, especially they learn vinyasa yoga or ashtanga yoga. And there's these really quite strong flowing sequences of yoga. Um, And then you go to teach them in communities, whatever, and people really struggle. They're just not they're not strong enough. They're not flexible enough. It's a real struggle to get them to do these sorts of movements. So what I love about the Japanese yoga or the therapeutic yoga that I teach, um, it's actually just seeing where people are at and just giving them the foundations of the strength and the flexibility uh, and the breath work and just the understanding of how their body can move. Um, A lot of people who come to my classes um, they say, you know, after coming to yoga, my back is so much better. I don't have back pain anymore. Or, you know, I feel my core, I can actually feel my core strength is getting better, you know, like, whereas if they've gone to another yoga class, they may not have had that experience. So, so I really focus on, and that's something my teachers also focus on was this core strength um, and improving the back. Cause how many people have back pain? Like, seriously, it's like 80% of people. Um, and it's just so easy to treat with just this really simple therapeutic exercises. Um, I've got a playlist on my YouTube channel, you know, and um, 
if you have back pain and you're listening or watching this podcast, please check it out. It's you'll be surprised how easy it is. And some of the exercises might be a bit strange. You know, you're not you're lying on your back and you're trying to squeeze your bottom off the floor and wiggle side to side or something. And it's like, oh, okay, I've not done that before. And it's going to be hard the first time you do it. Um, it's going to feel strange, but the more you repeat them, of course, the easier it gets um, and your pain will eventually, you know, dissipate. So that's, yeah. So it's, it's a therapy. It involves the whole yin and yang principles and the five elements as well, that whole seasonal aspect, you know, so fire in summer, you know, that relates to the heart and the small intestine. So at the moment we're in summer here down south, um, you know, so the focus is more perhaps on, you know, opening the heart, you're getting the, the deep digestive system, the small intestine. That's this part of the body that, you know, breaks down our food, you know, all that lovely food that we're eating um, and it turns it into blood. It, it, you know, releases all those nutrients into the bloodstream that then gets distributed through the body or goes to different places. So, you know, and then in autumn, it's the metal element um, in the five elements. And so we focus more on the lungs and the large intestine. So, the lungs is all about, you know, obviously breathing, but also letting go. The large intestine is about absorption and then also releasing and letting go. So, and you notice in the nature outside of you in autumn time, the leaves are falling off the trees, you know, the fruit is ripening and falling off if it hasn't already. Um, and we're getting ourselves ready for winter. So, yeah, so autumn's about releasing and then shedding and then the winter times about stillness the water element has this still quality it's the kidneys and the bladder um, organs in the body and uh, you know that's more to do with the spine and the nervous system as well so um, yeah so each each season has an organ pair related to it it also has you also you know the Japanese yoga also relates to the meridian body so in um, you know acupuncture or shiatsu you know we look at the meridians in the body and how you know that relates to each organ as well so what yeah, about fascinating spring? Stuff. spring is the wood element so that's the liver and gallbladder so that's where people can get cranky you know frustrated and angry um or it's all about direction finding new direction opportunities for growth so and, and liver and gallbladder are very deep in the body so that can be it's lots of twisting and side opening like lovely side opening exercises in that we can focus on in spring that's where the crankiness sits open the sides it all goes so and it also you know opening the sides helps lift the body up so you know this upward energy of spring it's kind of like the foot you know the morning the sunrise that's also the the seasons and the elements are also reflected in the day so morning it's the spring the uprising energy you know then you go to summer the midday where it's hot and you know bright and then you go back to we have the earth element as well which is um kind of called late summer but in traditionally um the earth element sat in the middle it was kind of like a four-pointed you know so summer at the top autumn winter spring and earth late summer sort of in the middle but earth can actually happen in between all the seasons it might only be a day it might be a week it might be two weeks so this the earth relates to the stomach and the spleen so um really you know that initial part of digestion um and you know it's about nourishment, so how you nourish yourself. Um, and the stomach meridian runs down the front of the body, so it's all about opening and arching, lots of arch poses to do with um, the, the earth element. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love how the practice evolves with the seasons and mm. even the times of the day and how it's connected. 
let's take this back to food yeah. um, and tell me about how, how the food pairs with the yoga. It's a food mm. pairing. You're not going to pair it with wine. I can tell you that no. in advance. We're pairing it with the yoga. But so how, how do you see um, what the foundation of the kind of food that can nourish someone yeah. to enhance their life and enhance their yoga practice. Mm, okay. And how much time have you got? <laughs> you might be here for a little while. while. No, that's okay. Yeah. There's so many different parts. So, so just backing onto that seasonal ch chat we just had. Um, so in each season, so it's seasonal way of eating, you know, makes sense. Um, eat what's in season, uh, what's abundant at that time of year. Um, and we're talking here from the plant kingdom mainly, of course, And so, you know, for each season, there's specific foods that come up more often. So in, so in summer, you know, we've got an abundance of stone fruit. Well, this is in my climate. It depends. The climactic conditions also play a big element in, in this whole understanding. And, and it's based on that macrobiotic understanding. And we can talk more about that as well, if you like. But so eating what's in your climactic zone in your season. You know, for me, for instance, I live in South Australia. And in the Barossa Valley, it's quite a Mediterranean-style climate. We have a lot of, you know, stone fruits, cherries. Um, they're kind of like the peak and berries as well, you know, strawberries and raspberries and things. They're the, kind of like the peak fruits at this time of year and watermelon. Um, and so that would be one of the key things that we, we can eat, obviously, From my yoga teacher perspective and my yoga background, we don't tend to eat a lot of fruit because it's very, it can make you very soft and very sort of relaxed and, um, you know, can kind of also affect the digestive system, you know, the large intestine. It can make it sort of expanded as well from all the, you know, the fruit sugar that you eat. So we, we don't eat a lot of, in this style of yoga, my style of yoga, fruit isn't a massive player. A lot of people love fruit and it's beautiful, but um, only Yeah, so eating fruit seasonally. Um, but then the vegetables that are more abundant this year. So those, you know, big leafy greens. Um, oh, now I can't think, but, you know, tomatoes. salad. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't actually do a lot of potatoes. Not tomatoes, Maybe, sorry. Toma yeah, tomatoes, sorry. Yeah, tomato. You said <laughs> tomato, I said tomato. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, tomatoes. And, you know, interestingly from and a macrobiotic. capsicums, since you're in yeah. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> capsicums, that's right, or peppers. But, um, you know, from, from a, again, a macrobiotic perspective, there's even nuances in the vegetable kingdom. So, I, I, you know, there's this whole nightshade family, you know, potatoes, tomatoes, capsicums and what have you. So they're generally not recommended as to eat a whole lot of them unless you cook them a certain way. You know, there's traditional ways of cooking tomatoes in capsicums, you know, it's generally sort of longer cooking times or you take all the seeds out or, you know, even things like chili and stuff like that. So there's certain ways to prepare the food to make it more optimal for your body if you want to go down that path. So, yeah, um, getting a bit off track, but yes. Yeah, oh, so we were talking about what's, what's the way to nourish yourself and nourish yeah. your practice with food. What, what food. does that look so, like? So basically the basic principles is whole grains. So we've evolved, you know, to eat whole grains, our mouth, our teeth, um, you know, we've got those grinding types of teeth. So 
as a society, as humans, you know, and again, depending on your climate zone, if you live in the North Pole, you're not going to eat lots of grains because they don't grow there, you know. Um, but for most of us, grains is a staple, that carbohydrate, complex carbohydrate, unrefined as much as possible. Um, <clears throat> so brown rice, oats, millet, wheat, corn, rye, all those things, you know, and the principle is that 50% of your plate should be grain basically, and the importance of chewing that grain and well, chewing anything that you're eating is really important too. Um, and then vegetables, of course, is a major component, you know, vegetables that are in season, perhaps not so much the tomatoes, potatoes and capsicums, but definitely pumpkins, onions, cabbages, broccolis, cauliflowers, or, you know, all those really standard ones. You know, in winter we have more root vegetables, so carrots and parsnips and um, daikon radish or, um, you know, all those downward growing vegetables they're really good for the digestive system and grounding you into the earth um you know but also lots of leafy greens in the more spring summer months as well um autumn is like you know the sweeter vegetables so each each season also has a flavor associated with it so late summer is that really sweet flavor so when all the you know when fruit starts to ripen in summer it's quite usually quite bitter you know, the flavour of summer is this bitter or burnt flavour. Um, but as the fruit ripens towards the end of summer, it gets that really sweet, juicy taste. And you can notice that from the start to the end of the season. Um, and then in autumn, it's this pungent flavour. So, it's you know, we're eating more things like, you know, adding ginger to everything. Um, you know, daikon radish is really good as well for the digestive system. Daikon radish helps dissolve fat in the body, depending on how it's cooked. Um, and lots of pumpkins, those round, you know, sweet vegetables, onions, fried onion and pumpkin, you know, carrot, whatever, that kind of stuff. And then winter is a more salty flavour. So um, it's like your miso soups and, um, you know, your beans, like azuki beans, which are a bit more dense. Um, and, you know, those cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower and, and things that grow more in those winter months. And then for spring, it's more the upward rising things like celery and sprouts, like actual sprouts. Like I like grow my own alfalfa sprouts and so good. That's about the only thing I can grow. <laughs> um, and those leafy greens, you know, bok choys and, and, and things like that. So, and, you know, there's, yeah, it's just, the seasons through the food. Yeah. And then of course, beans are a big part of that, you know, tofu, tofu more in summer, tempeh more in winter, um, you know, beans, chickpeas and lentils basically are good any time of the year, I reckon. Um, and like I mentioned already, azuki beans, perhaps more in winter, that type of thing. And, you know, it's not fully plant-based necessarily like the macrobiotic diet, you know, you can basically macrobiotics is you can eat anything ultimately when you're healthy um but there's this level of so there's yin and yang and then there's extreme yin and yang so it's all about balance so vegetables and grains kind of sit in the middle they're like more neutral foods but then you've got more vegetables that are some vegetables that are more yin um and it's all relative you know there's yin vegetables there's yang vegetables uh, um but there's like more yin vegetables like say tomatoes they grow quickly they're red they're watery where if you've got more yang vegetables like carrots they grow downwards they're hard they you know they dig into the earth and they're solid um and then yeah and oh it's just it's there's so much i could just talk forever i need to organize my thoughts and 
put it into some blog posts perhaps. But, um, yeah, so vegetables and grains and then beans. And then so going out from there, it's like things like fish. Like So you've got fish, you can have, you know, a more centred type of fish would be the white-fleshed fish. Um, but then like a more red flesh like salmon or tuna or something, that's a bit more extreme. And so the wider you go on either side, you have to balance out. So if you eat, you know, fish or even animals like meat, like cows, pigs, whatever, and then you've got to balance that out on the other side with more yin. So animals are very yang, you know, they're um, solid, they're growing, they're, you know, alive, like people, you know, like I don't want to compare animals, you know, they, cows they, to people, are, but yeah, but they're sentient people beings. People are animals know? too. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, and so if you're eating, you know, a steak, then you might feel like having a glass of wine or um, lots of garlic with it because garlic is also quite yin i guess in that respect um and you know and when you eat a, a lot you know if you might have a steak with this garlic sauce on it and that's actually quite a balanced meal from a macrobiotic perspective because it's yeah balancing that out but ideally you don't want to be eating at the outside edges you want to be eating at the inside where the beans vegetables and grains live um, yeah i yeah, think um we're definitely not at risk of getting so extreme around here in the no. vegan family kitchen. No, exactly. <laughs> but if you have family or friends who maybe do, you know, they go out for a steak and they're drinking a bottle of wine with it. And that's actually a balancing act. That's part of the process inside the body. It's the yin and the yang extremes. Interesting. You know, it's like if you eat a bag of crisps, they're salty, then you might want to chug down a glass of orange juice afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or together. Maybe that's white pop and yeah. chips are mm. surprised there's a combination yeah. <laughs> i know i find if i eat a, you know a stack of corn chips and i'm i'm gonna be like oh, i want something fruity or sweet to balance it out mm. it's i think the in their uh involuntary ways large food conglomerates might mm. be on two some aspects of the yin and yang of yeah food there. and that's why in lots of processed foods you know you've got sugar and you've got salt and fat to make it kind of balanced, but it's kind of not at the same time because it's just so devoid of nutritional value. Yeah. But yeah. Tell me a little bit more about how you see food as possibly a powerful heating, a healing tool or Mm. healing resource. Absolutely. I think I think anything we put in our body has the ability to heal or harm us to some degree. And I was listening to another podcast just recently. This guy was talking about mitochondria and the cells and everything. And, and it is, and basically every degenerative chronic disease that exists in today's society is a result of people eating poorly. Um, So, and it's great that science has finally, you know, come to the party. Like, you know, traditional medicine have known about this for centuries, millennia even. Um, so it's quite interesting. So, so in macrobiotics, there's the, the healing diet and it comes down to looking at the person as a whole and identifying, you know, where they're deficient, where they have excess. Um, so, you know, you might have a disease that's caused by too much yin. So it might be, you know, you've been eating fruit juices and, and um, I don't know, something Oops. very, <laughs> yeah, you, but you might be needing something very like yin for a while. And like you've, even people who go on juice cleanses, if they do that indefinitely, they're going to get, get a yin disease if they don't 
stop and balance things out again. So basically illness is caused from an excess of something or a deficiency of something. So you've either been putting something into yourself too much too often and it's created this condition or you haven't been putting enough of something in and it's created this condition. So what you need to do is bring it back to balance. So if you've been eating meat and cheese forever, very yang foods, you need to go on a yin healing diet. So maybe you do start eating more fruit, um, you know, to balance that out uh, and vice versa, you know, depending. Ideally, you know, strict macrobiotic healing diet, you know, if you just wanted to go the nuts and bolts, it's kind of like brown rice and miso soup three times a day, <laughs> you know, um, because those foods are so neutral. Um, but if you do have these excesses, then you've got to try and balance them out, balance them out, bring them back, bring them back, bring them back. And then so you go on a healing diet for a certain amount of time and, and it's really down to the individual looking at what the condition is. Um, and then once you get to this state of balance, then you can start to sort of go a little bit wider, you know, test a few different vegetables, test a few different things. Um, but ultimately for me, I, for my own ex personal experience, you know, if I ever feeling sick or which doesn't happen very often anymore, touch wood, thank goodness. Um, you know, I just go straight back to miso soup and brown rice for a couple of days and then my body resets and I'm good to go. So, I mean, like for instance, I had a thyroid condition when my daughter was two, so about 12 years ago now, um, I was hyperthyroid. I had a thyroid module growing as well, so precancerous kind of stuff. Um, and I hadn't been eating, I'd been eating lots of good food, but it was all like cooked. Like I'd never hardly ever ate salads or anything like that and wasn't really, you know, I was, I was a mom, I was a, a full-time employee, I was a wife, I was running a house, you know, all these things. It just all built up and I got sick. Um, and so I went to a doctor. She was actually a vegan, raw vegan, this doctor. And so, wow. you know, she, yeah, so she was prescribing green juices and raw food and I was like, okay. And, and I actually went to my macrobiotic teacher um, in Sydney at the time and I said, look, I've got this condition. My doctor's recommended this. What are your thoughts? And he actually mostly agreed with what she had recommended, like those, you know, getting more greens into me, getting more fruit and salads and stuff like that because I'd been eating just really cooked foods like stews and casseroles and things and hadn't had the fresh stuff much. Um, so a more yin diet I was needed to have. Um, and then, but also more yin activity. So I was, you know, working, 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 doing this mum, et cetera, employee, da, da, da. Um, and so I had to actually take time out for myself um, to do more yoga because I wasn't really practicing much at that point in time with a two-year-old, you know, it's hard to get much done. Um, so I was, you know, making sure I went to yoga now twice a week and just not trying to do a hundred things on the weekend because that's the only time I've got, um, and the doctor, she had prescribed she had prescribed me to take thyroid medication, but I had said, look, give me a month. I just want to see if I can sort it out myself first. If it doesn't happen, if my levels are still off the charts, then we'll go there. Um, and so with, you know, more yoga, a better diet, a more yin diet, more yin activity, um, and just, yeah, taking it easy, doing specific yoga stretches or poses for the thyroid as well to stimulate or to calm the thyroid. Um, that really helped. And yeah, I went to get my results the next time and it kind of leveled out. It wasn't as intense. She was like, okay, well, you don't need the medication, but you still need to, I had to take iron and vitamin B and vitamin D for a little while. And 
and I just had to keep monitoring my my thyroid for the next couple of years. But it's, it seems fine now. I haven't had a relapse. Um, so yeah, just the way I've used diet in that instance to, I guess you know, not necessarily. I don't know if I've cured myself, but just to yeah overcome that that health challenge. Um, it's helped for sure. Yeah, it helped for sure. Yeah. What about sweet potatoes, which are not potatoes? Um, no, yeah, sweet potatoes okay in moderation. You know, I love sweet potato. It's like I actually I didn't know what a sweet potato was until I started yoga. Let's put it that way. Like I'd never seen one or, or eaten one before. And then my yoga teacher, she was like, oh, you know, I've got this. You know, she. I remember we did this weekend sort of like it was like kind of like a weekend yoga thing women's day and you know we did foot massages for each other and and then they cooked us this amazing lunch and had this like sweet potato and cashew dish and I was like oh my god like what is this <laughs> yum <laughs> only the orange ones I don't like any other ones I just like the yeah they're ones. very they're extremely yeah. nutritious because I hear mm. you talk of miso soup and brown rice and mm. I just want to add a few slices of roasted sweet potato, you know, the orange mm. one, yeah. and maybe a handful of massaged kale with the miso yeah. dressing. Yeah, and like that's thing. a pretty, I mean, I yeah. guess you would add some legumes, a handful of chickpeas yeah. or some beans. Yeah, and absolutely. You've got a pretty darn good meal. Um, yeah, totally. Mm. I'm curious about miso soup for breakfast. What, 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 well, let's backtrack and tell me <laughs> what makes a good miso soup, because I do... Mm make a lot of miso soup myself but i okay. fear that i'm an imposter ah, um and well, obviously i don't i don't put uh i don't use fish flakes and things like that no i don't either um, no, no so tell me what what's yeah. the essence of a good miso soup the essence of a good miso soup well i like to keep mine fairly simple um some days you know i, I make a big vegetable stock so i get my stock i get keep all my onion skins and carrot ends and whatever just all those bits of veggies that are really good for making a stock so i always make a stock like usually once a week i throw in some dried shiitake mushrooms and maybe some kombu seaweed or kelp you know seaweed um, make a big pot strain it off keep the mushrooms um and so my very basic of basic miso soup would be taking some of that veggie broth adding some either grated or finely chopped ginger to it. Oh, yes. Da a dash of tamari sh or shoyu, depending on what you've got in your cupboard, and just heating that up, maybe chopping up one of those those mushrooms that you had in the stock, slice that up, throw it in, and add a teaspoon of miso as you're reheating it or even half a teaspoon depending on your salt. Per cup water, per cup, per cup broth yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd always, I always edge on the less, uh, like maybe half a teaspoon, but up to a teaspoon per person. Um, add that you want the you want the miso to dissolve in the broth so that um, it starts to float around. You get those little swirly patterns in the in the broth, and then put it in a bowl or a cup and just some finely sliced, sliced spring onion on top, and that is your most basic miso soup. Um, the more advanced version is I'll get a pot and I'll slice some onion, fry the onion in some good sesame oil or sunflower oil. Um, then I, you know, julienne some carrot and daikon radish or you can cube it or whatever, however you want to chop it up really. Chop it, chop it however you like. Um, throw that in with the onion, saute it off. You could add things like you could add celery, depending what's in season, cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, whatever. And then throw in your veggie stock, bring that up to heat so that the veggies cook in the broth um, after a little while. 
Then you add grated ginger to it. Always have to add the ginger to your miso. Um, and then I actually also usually add wakame seaweed. So wakame is kind of like the more flaky, not flaky, but stringy. I don't know. Yeah. Stringy. You, I think you, that's a good way to describe yeah. it compared um, to the sheets of kombu kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So um, add some wakame, which has been pre-soaked. I always pre-soak the seaweed. I don't usually add the soaking water because it's quite salty and I don't know, it might have residue on it. So chop up the seaweed, throw it in. And then right at the end is where you, so I'll either just, if I'm going to use that pot for a few days, I won't even add the miso to it. I'll, I'll, as I reheat the soup, I'll then add the miso, like I just described in the previous step. Um, but if, say, you were going to serve that soup up to your family that night, you would then add your miso, you'd like ladle out some of the water, the stock from the soup in a measuring cup, then add your miso, like one teaspoon per person or per serve. I was, like I said, air for less to start with because you can't take the salt out once it's in. Um, stir in your miso, dissolve it, pour it back in, stir it through, let it heat it, you know, let it, you don't want to boil it. Once you've added the ginger and the miso, you don't want the soup to boil because ginger, once it's boiled, it kind of deactivates it. Um, and same with miso, it's a living thing. You know, you don't want to boil the crap out of it. It'll go, eh. So <laughs> I knew that for, I was going to ask you for miso. I had this impression, but I did not know for ginger. Yeah. So I mean, the ginger, the, I guess the enzymatic quality of it, you don't want to lose that. I mean, like you can, like if you're like with the pumpkin soup, for instance, I would throw it cooking it. I would sort out my onion and my ginger and garlic, whatever, the start, and then I'd add the stock and the, the pumpkin, and then I would actually boil it then. You know, that's okay. But for a ther- like a healing soup thing, you don't want the ginger right. to boil. What um, about adding, because my, my kids love miso soup, but I think mm. what they really like is the tofu in the miso soup. Oh, <laughs> because yeah. here we yeah. tend to put medium or, you know, like silky mm. cubes of tofu in yeah, there is totally. that yeah that's great acceptable totally. yeah absolutely yeah like you can put whatever you want in it really um and you know so that would be like a, just a really simple breakfast so I keep my pot in the fridge I just ladle out what I want each day heat it up add my miso throw some spring onion on the top at the end the spring onion is good as well because that helps activate it's like a complete thing you know like you've got the ginger, you've got the seaweed, you've got the miso, and then you've got the spring onion. And it's just this package deal. It's just a bomb of goodness. So especially for your like enzymes in your stomach and stuff like that. So hmm. I love it. It sounds absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Tell yeah. me if anyone, um, I mean, wants to fly to Australia and join <laughs> one of your retreats, how would they get a hold of you? And more generally, um, what what other kinds of programs do you offer? I know you've been offering some plant-based cooking workshops. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you do in those. Yeah, so everything's kind of in-house at the moment. I haven't, like you've got this amazing online stuff. <laughs> One day, that's my goal. You're my like, you know, ideal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's very kind. It's very kind. <laughs> See, I wish I was it. doing more in-person things, you know. Yeah. I, I miss the interaction before pre-pandemic we were having some mm. really fun um mm. in-person cooking club meetings and that yeah. was so that good and fun. you mm. know we're mostly over it kind of thing or just you know mm. lost lost hope of really being able to contain things so uh but we haven't been able to put those back on the road you know so yeah i'm, yeah. I'm happy for you that you're having yeah in-person so- retreats 
Mm. Um, so I only really hold one retreat a year. I haven't actually set a date for this year. Um, it's always a struggle to find venues that I want to use. Um, so that, that's usually later in the year anyway, sort of around October. Um, as far as my cooking workshops, I'm trying to do more like a one per season at the moment. So at the moment um, I've got the summer one coming up. It's going to be more late summer <laughs> by the time it happens in February, but um, that's just how it goes with programming and people's availability. Um, I, I, on my YouTube channel, I do have some cooking videos. I have like how to make miso soup on there. So if people want to have a look at that, I've even got how to cook brown rice, but I'm sure most of your audience already know how to do that. Um, I actually do the absorption method, which is different to the method that you describe in your book. Um, but that's just what my teachers taught me. And I just find it's like set and forget and turn it off when it's done. Um, so that's what I love. Um, and in most places, I think that's a fine thing to do. Um, I think in North America, a lot of the rice comes from uh, places where they used to grow cotton, ah. which is why we have the arsenic contamination problem yeah okay well which is not so much the case in asia i think so. yeah well i don't know i mean i guess the rice i cook is grown in australia but you know i do always rinse the rice three or four times Definitely, before yeah, i cook yeah. it sometimes i'll even soak it overnight before i cook it and then rinse it again um that kind of also helps activate activate or sprout the rice yeah yeah not degree. totally yeah um yeah so i get what you're saying yeah you've got to get the nasty things out um, and you know, that's, and my podcast, that's the other thing I'm working on. So yeah, I mean, YouTube is really what I'm trying to grow my audience on. And I'm, I'm posting, you know, I started off just doing yoga videos on there. So I've got quite a few yoga videos. I've got different playlists. I've got different time lengths, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 45 minute classes there. And, um, and like I mentioned, the cooking videos, but I'm also doing a lot of just health and well-being. Like I, you said in the intro, I'm a health and well-being enthusiast. And I think that's kind of the best way to describe me at the moment. I'm just talking about different health and well-being things that are pertinent that I think my audience might be interested in. The other day I did a talk, a short video about napping, you know, because that yes. kind of has changed my life. So <laughs> just sharing those bits and pieces with people, I think that's just where I'm at at the moment. So, yeah, I'm hoping... I'm hoping to get more stuff online eventually and maybe this year that might happen to do. I'm actually keen to do some webinars on macrobiotics more specifically and, and help educate people and answer the questions about macrobiotics because I think, you know, it can be kind of like, oh, macrobiotics, that's just brown rice and miso soup. And I know I did just say that, but it's so much more than that. There's a whole philosophy about, you know, the creation of the universe and the, the our place in the universe and how we evolved and it's just the energy and there's like so like macro there's been books written about it massive books about it and you know i've studied it for many years and i just find it fascinating it just so resonates with me and i, I would like to share that with more people too i very much look forward to that and i encourage everyone to uh i think go to this the center of key <laughs> to, to to get the access to you in so many ways so i will put this in the the notes at the bottom, but the center of key.co.au, correct? .com.au. Add that. And center is spelled the English way, C-E-N-T-R-E, not C-T-E-R, which is the American. So that's just to confuse everyone. I didn't realize that until I met George, George Cow, our coach, and he's like, maybe you should, I should probably register 
the center Both. name and then direct it to that one. That's a good that point. sounds like a good idea, but I'll have yeah. it in the notes and people can just click it to get a hold of you. And uh, I hope uh, that uh, they will head to your YouTube channel and do some healing, stretchings and yoga and strengthening with you. That sounds like a great antidote to a lot of what ails us in our excessively complicated and mm. um, sedentary Western yeah. life, for sure. Yeah. I Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Leah, for being with me today. And uh, let's meet again soon and cook just, yeah. oh, I wish so much we could get together to cook. I that know. would be so much One fun. Day. We'll work Don't on worry. this. We'll work on that. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Brigitte. Thank you. <laughs>